All right, welcome Bathroom. to Ring Fire. <laughs> this is the uh, podcast for doulas where we talk about tough topics and uh, remind you to breathe through it. And I'm Emmy the Birth Wizard. And I'm Alex Barr. And we have a very special guest today. Go ahead. The, I am Fabliana Burley. Um, my handle is Bring the Babe. I'm a trauma informed birth educator and doula. Yay. We're so excited a, to have you. And a big deal. Like, honestly you're you're up there with like local celebrity for us like yeah uh, <laughs> oh no <laughs> it's not it's not a bad thing I think uh both of us were like we're aware of you in a lot of ways because like you have a big platform and then um it's funny we're in these dualist circles where you'll have a friend share something and you'll keep seeing the same people shared over and over mm-hmm. again and you're yeah. one of those so whether I followed you or not beforehand, I saw your content constantly and I was like, oh mm-hmm. my God, she's like a, a big deal. <laughs> yeah. And I make fun of Emmy all the time for being a local celebrity <laughs> because I can't take her anywhere without anybody being like, oh yeah, Emmy, I know Emmy. Emmy and I talked about blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, That's so funny. I, get it. <laughs> I, I feel like she's a local celebrity too, because people are always like, do you know the birth wizard? And I'm like, I want to. Oh, I no. know, like, know her, but I know of her. So right. Like, oh, well, you're no one. So whatever. That's a that's a sign that you guys should have already met and reached out to. Yes. Each other. And yes. I think that's part of the point I was trying to make because I really admire the fact that you concentrate so much on trauma informed care and in trauma, and the way that you do it is still lighthearted because. You and I both know this when you talk about that kind of content and the same with Alex, like that heaviness, it can become like really sad to like yeah. operate in those spaces. So I would love to know what's your origin story? How did you get to birth work? Oh my Is gosh. Is also a sad story? I hope not. No, <laughs> it's not. It's, it's actually, um, there's some fire in the story. So yes. I think it's a good yes. story. Perfect place for it. Perfect um, place um so honestly I grew up around childbirth um a lot of my family um I'm half Mexican I know I don't look it but I ditto ditto I love that like there's just it's not celebrated enough but being half Mexican like I came from two completely different cultures and I would say my Caucasian side it was very like natural unmedicated birth like that was very much so that side and then on my Hispanic side it was very much so the the hospital feel and the medicated and so like I had like both worlds in in my life but I felt very comfortable with birth I had been around birth it never bothered me and so whenever it came time for me to give birth, I didn't feel any nervousness. And um, I ended up delivering um, in the hospital. I chose that route and I was so excited. Um, But a little backstory, I am not um, qualified, yeah, for the epidural. I cannot receive an epidural. I cannot receive spinal. because I was in a car accident at 18, 
where I was ripped in half. I ripped a vertebrae oh in my half. God. <laughs> Isn't that wild? And wow. they had to put me together with two 11 inch metal rods. Okay. I'm sorry. You used the phrase, we had to put me together. So just let me sit with that for a second. Yeah. So this was, yeah, that's a, yeah, lots of damage. It was crazy. And as an 18 year old, I was like, what is happening? Like, this is, yeah. this is not what my life was supposed to be. And honestly, as soon as that had happened and I had an excellent doctor who just was extremely informative and was very huge on consent. And I just like, as an 18 year old, I didn't understand. I was like, you're the doctor. Just do you it. should be telling me what I need. And he was right. just like, Hey, um, I want to get my best people in here to like, make sure that the surgery goes the way that I would like it to go. And if it's okay with you, we can fall through with the surgery if you would like to. And I was just like, yeah, dude, like, <laughs> if that's what I need, do it. Like, come on. And so he was just, he's so funny. And he, he was so, it was all about me. It was all about my care, how I was feeling in that moment. And honestly, that type of care changed my life. So that's incredible. two 11 inch metal rods later, a bunch of screws and a huge scar on my back. And really Lucky. hard for you to get through TSA checks, I'm sure. Actually, not that hard with titanium. Oh. I was worried about that. That was something that I worried. I literally asked my doctor, I was like, am I going to get a pat down every single time? I don't <laughs> That's like violating to me. He was like, no, 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 not with titanium. You know, like it's the best thing out there. And like, right. all right, thank you for fixing me up. But no, thank I've you. never. And, and that's what's so, what's so interesting to hear you talk about like a doctor asking for, for consent. Like it is like a, it's a kind of a novel idea because most people don't experience it often. And yeah. even when I went, when I switched into midwifery care for my pregnancy, there were times where I was like, uh, are, are you, are you not going to tell me what to do? Yeah. <laughs> like, like you just like said some stuff. Okay. What's the next step? Like kind of waiting yeah. for them to like, tell me what to do kind of thing. So especially at the beginning of my care with them, I was like, Oh, I get to make these decisions. Yes. It's like a big realization. Yeah. It's not talked about like at all, like just like how in even like invasive that feels like what, what makes you think that I am qualified to make any kind of a decision. And honestly, that was just like my first taste into that type of taste dude that's a pretty major taste oh totally and looking back now like he um he tried to leave space um in between my last two vertebrae so that I could receive an epidural but whenever I ended up showing my um x-rays to the anesthesiologists they were like yeah no we don't even want to mess with this so it is IV medication, unmedicated, or general anesthesia. Wow, fun, fun. And I was like, wow, that is really zero to a hundred. Like, yes. So I, did that inform your journey once, I, I'm assuming you've had children now, did that inform your journey yes. before getting pregnant even of like, what kind of care you sought after versus like you didn't? 
Definitely. I would have to say that because I felt so comfortable with childbirth and I had seen it in the hospital and I had seen it in um, a non-hospital setting, like in a birth center, like I, I felt comfortable with childbirth enough that I, I didn't really think twice about it. I was just like, okay, well, I just have to go the unmedicated route. And I didn't educate myself as much as I wish I would have, but I was extremely educated, um, about what my options were, um, with comfort measures. I actually unknowingly trained my husband on how to be a doula. (laughs) It was the best thing. Seriously. He is such a daddy doula. Like he is my coach. I love like, I, that. <laughs> I never had to do it just because honestly, he, he keeps me on the straight and narrow. And I've, I've, I can genuinely say that I've had two unmedicated pain-free births. Like incredible. It, it's, it's been crazy. Like I, if you would have told me that, like, especially right after I broke my back that like, yeah. Hey, you're going to have two unmedicated pain-free births. I would have been like, wow, what are you smoking? Because that is not true. That is, it can't be true. Right. And so, um, is that experience what led you to, uh, like birth work? Definitely. Definitely. Because I had learned so much from making my husband a doula, I, I was very attracted to that type of an experience, like understanding that, wow, there are actually things that we can control in this environment that will make it easier for the birthing person. And that like blew my mind. I was like, everyone needs this. We need to tell everyone. That's how I felt. I love that this is a through line with so many of our guests when it comes to birth and like literally that, like, I have to tell everyone, like, they all have this inner mechanism. That's like, I have to spread the word. Like they become into missionaries almost like, uh, apostolizers of like, let me tell you the truth. Let me show you the ways and all of that. So I think it's it's everybody in my life could tell you about like maternal mortality rate and like (laughs) (laughs) my mom's like doulaing her friend, like, Alex said that maybe you should research this. this and that. That's so funny. That's how it is with me too. Everyone yeah. around me is like, yeah. And did you know this? And I'm like, yeah, I love that you share that. Like my, my father-in-law loves to share. My second birth was a home birth and he loves to share facts about that with other people. And, but, and he's such a, I I don't want to say structure. He's just like, he's the type of person that like enjoys structure and like, there is a way. Mm -hmm. And so like for him to like step out of that, to be like, Hey, and this is safe too. And this is how this works. (laughs) It just like feels so good to me. I love it so much. You added nuance into his life. That's pretty cool. Yes. Pretty powerful thing to point out. I love it. So you made your husband into a daddy doula. Um, and then was it between your first and second birth you decided to go into it or did you have to ruminate on it a little bit longer about going into this work? I did have to think about it just a little bit longer. I had been interested in doula work ever since I was like 18. Like, oh, wow. 
I, I literally just like dreamed of being a doula. Whenever I first moved to Arizona, I was like, and this was before I was engaged or married or anything. I was just like, oh, how do I get into this kind of work? Like, especially with not having had children and like, I just, I've always been passionate about childbirth, but I didn't know how to go from A to B, if that makes yeah. sense. That and makes so, sense. and so with my second birth, I, I got to experience the the midwifery model of care and how much more that brought into my life and like just seeing the difference for me and seeing like the difference between the care and like how how different the care was that's what really pushed me into it and I'm totally gonna call her out but Lindsay King um she yeah you've already had her on your show but she literally was like just do it just get out there be a doula you just do it like stop saying well when she's like just do it and so that's never that lit the fire underneath me and I was like okay that's so sweet I I do it (laughs) he's amazing truly truly um I love that our guests are buddies yeah (laughs) We didn't even um, know it. <laughs> um, which for audience members, like we have an episode with Lindsay King, a midwife, who's <laughs> going to, for you to go back to and listen to her. And like, truly, like we call you guys fire starters, um, our audience members. And like, I think it's really great that we're not just saying that or calling you guys that we can see it in you. So obviously Lindsay lit a fire in you. I know that she lit one for me because that was my first home birth. And she happened to be, that was one of her final catches um, was that birth. And so like, that was my first experience with home birth and watching it happen. And I kept being like waiting for the midwives to react or like say stuff or whatever. And they just sat in the corner really calmly. And I was like, I don't know what to do like are yeah. you just gonna do something with your hands or <laughs> or like talk or yeah making me nervous <laughs> like and yeah. it's just, well that's usually the time you're like kind of on guard right right yeah, you're yeah. kind of ready calm, you know yeah calming presence so I think it's great that you experienced that and someone that we know encouraged you so yeah. All right. So how long have you been doing birth work? Cause I feel like I've been following you for a while. So I feel like I've seen you. I'm like, man, this girl's been doing it forever. <laughs> I feel like I've been doing it forever. But if I, if I had to give it like a start date, my official start date was February of 2021. So I've, I've only been in the industry really for a year. Yeah. And so like, but I mean, I've attended other births before I was like officially labeled myself a doula. Yeah. And yeah. we talk a lot about most people were doulas before they actually were, yeah. <laughs> before they actually became certified and trained in whatever, which is funny. Cause I had never seen a birth besides my own <laughs> when I started mm-hmm. this. So I kind of had the opposite where I was like, no, I like waited and <laughs> waited. Cause I was like, I don't know what, like, I didn't have any friends who had children. I didn't know anybody who was having babies. It was just me. (laughs) So it kind of like, I had to like, wait for that. But I definitely feel like you see people being doulas, like almost through their whole life kind of thing, you know? It definitely like 
has felt like longer just because obviously like you just said it's it's been a lot of my life and just like how I step into roles like naturally I just like to step into that like supportive role and I think like you know everyone talks about their enneagrams and I'm totally like this people pleaser like I want everyone around I'm a two I'm totally (laughs) is this the first one no no here's my thing uh, there's, I feel there's a ton of twos inside of birth work. Um, and I think by nature, they're not going to answer any survey or even like be cool with me calling them out. Cause they'll be like, no, 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 I'm not, no, I'm just here to help. Like, I don't need to answer her question. Well, Fabliana told us that she listens to our podcast regularly and we had no idea. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. Just lying under the radar. <laughs> But um, it makes total sense that you're a two. So yeah, and I really do think like twos are called to this world. So are eights. So are people who are seeking like justice and like filling those extra roles. So that it makes total sense. So obviously off of your prior care, you were shown what trauma-informed care looked like. What made you want to specialize in that though? Just because you were exposed to it doesn't mean you're like, there, there it is. There's my niche. Thank you. Like, yeah, oh. and I, I did see like when you kind of switched your content and your social media over to be like, this is what I'm focusing on. I'm focusing on trauma informed care. So I'd love to know like where that came from. Okay. So this is, I love this question. Um, this is a really, so going to, to learn about birth work and how to become a doula like I personally was not aware of the statistics around black birth I was not aware of the statistics around even Hispanic birth I wasn't aware of racism in the medical system like I just you know the whole world like keeps you like this and yeah, those blinders, I, man. Those exactly. I had no idea. And so as I started educating myself and learning more and more, I just, I felt more and more upset. And I was talking to a friend, she is black, and she was talking to me about her birth experience. And she was talking about how this happened. Oh, and then this happened. And she's like, I, I needed a, uh, they told me I needed a C-section. And, um, she was like, I was so scared. They strapped me down both my arms and I was just so scared. And like, when my baby was born, I was still strapped down. And I was like, you are joking. Tell me you're joking. And she mm-hmm. was like, no, wait, that's not normal. And I was like, tears of rage. I yeah. was not happy to hear that at all like I I felt violent (laughs) I think that's the word that like I just I felt this like sense of injustice and I could not believe that she had been treated in such a way because she has two children and that's happened to her twice and to then later find out like they did it because black women can sometimes be irrational and angry and move a lot. And like, it was just blatant racism. And it makes you sick to your, your, to your core, really. And so sick. um, And I I can tell you, I I've been through a similar experience where that 
that information comes to you and you there's no other th- reaction than like the fuck right like yeah yeah fuck and it's even worse when you're hearing that individual tell you and they're like what do you mean that's not normal like you have the realization you understand what that care was not okay and they're being presented it as the norm and what do you do with that heartbreak then right so what did you do with that heartbreak Um, oh my gosh so I started talking to more people and actually that specific instance is what inspired my birthright affirmation cards because I love those affirmation cards yeah (laughs) thank you it's seriously it was such a passion project because as I learned more about birth and like I learned more about Hispanics and specific to how I grew up and how I view my Hispanic culture. Um, and this is just in my experience, Hispanics are very, uh, they hold people in positions of authority and a doctor is someone that has authority. And so they, they hold them to a a higher standard. They're just like, whatever the doctor says, whatever the doctor says. And I just, I saw such a difference in, like, I I talked to my family members, there was such a difference in, in the model of care, um, high cesarean rates on my Hispanic side of the family, almost all of them had cesarean births. And you find, because I found it in my own family, if they were more white passing, different treatment was given to them versus not. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's so shitty when you realize like, oh, there was a pigmentation issue that that was it what better way to see literally see the racism in front of your face right to see like how different they were treated just because of white passing and not honestly what pisses me off is like I I literally it's been in front of me and I just wasn't paying attention like it literally takes you like hyper fixating on something to like even realize how how crazy things have gotten or have been and because to me it was new but whenever you look at the facts and the statistics it's not new well that's what's so interesting is that's why I find like it does feel like I feel that like oh I have to tell everybody when it comes to this stuff because people literally don't know we don't talk about birth in that way. If your friend had not shared how she had been treated, you would have had no idea that she was treated any differently. And maybe she would have never known that either. And so that's why I feel like it's so interesting because how can we see these patterns and acknowledge them and the general public know that, that this is what's happening if we're not having these conversations? Exactly. And that's exactly how I feel. And I've actually had several birth workers ask me, is this really a thing? Is racism really a thing? And, and it, it's so hard for me because obviously, because I, I've literally seen it happen and heard of it happening. I have to like find compassion within myself because like, I want to yell and just like scream, like, yeah. Duh. Like, but, <laughs> same. but like, they just, on the same page. yeah, they just, but they don't know. And it's just, and I think that that's like the conversations that we, we need to be having and like 
talk about it extensively. Like, don't even say, um, yes. And then like move on and like move past that. Like, no, this needs to be something that we are actively talking about and actively being aware of. Like Correct. the awareness is so important. Correct. So important. Well, and, and I'd I, love to, sorry, go ahead. No, you're okay. I I've had instances where I've brought up to other birth workers because they'll ask me questions over feedback and that kind of thing. And they're like, oh, my client's black. And I'm like, really be having honest conversations about how they're at a higher likelihood for a repeat cesarean due to how they look and all of this. I, I don't want to bring that up. Then why the fuck are you here? Yeah. If you're not able to have hard conversations about this work. Why the fuck are you here? If it's to look at cute babies, stay on Instagram, girl. Oh, like, stay on Instagram yeah. um, and like I I feel the same way where I also have to like remind myself of like maybe this is their first true exposure but it's not and I have those like because you you're putting on blinders on purpose then you're making sure to stay in spaces where you don't have to see it you're okay. making sure to listen to the person that's like well it's not that bad right from the individual that makes it easier for you to like take in right? Mm -hmm. so. You're not seeking out people who are sharing those stories and believing them when they share it, right? Because if you start reaching out and paying attention, all that stuff starts adding up, right? All of those stories you hear repeated and repeated and you're like, okay, there has to be some truth to that, right? Like if so many people, so if you, if people opened up their worldview a little bit and were more like paid a little more attention to that, they would see it you know? Absolutely. And another thing that I wanted to bring up is something that has been very unpopular with um, birth workers that I've talked to is that like my own thoughts and since we are just going to get down to the juicy here, are like, this is why it's important to have doulas within a community, within the Hispanic, Hispanics serving Hispanics, Blacks yes. serving Blacks, Mm -hmm. Like we need to make sure that it's not, and I hate to, no, I don't actually, um, Please don't. I hate to whitewash, but like doula work, there's so many white women that are doulas yes. and it's just, yes. it's really hard for me because the blinders are there and a lot of times they don't have to look past that and, and they never do. And so like, are our clients truly getting the best care if they are outside of the Caucasian race? And like, that's a question that I have to like ask is like, as a Hispanic, like I feel comfortable in a Hispanic space. I understand the culture. I understand what is um, okay, not okay. What like the, the procedures are within the culture. I, that's my, like my own opinion. And like, I, that's why whenever you, interview clients it's like important to me that we talk about cultural things but like yeah. truly I have I've even told my friends like I we need more black doulas we need more Hispanic doulas we need more Asian doulas we need doulas within your own community because there is no possible way that I can understand to the extent that I need to understand. And if I am the last string, I will absolutely be your last string. But that's why I, I push that like, 
we need to bring in doulas from the black community, the Hispanic yeah. community, the Asian community, all of the, the mi minorities. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to look up the stat right now because I actually have it written down somewhere of the breakdown of, so it's 66.2% of birth workers are white, 13.8 are Hispanic and 12.2 are uh, black or some other ethnicity. So you're getting it squished in there. Yeah. And that's those kind of stats you have to look at of like, what kind of care is being given across? Because if you, and I'm going to put it this way, because again, we're going to talk real here. If you're choosing the blinders, because that's really yes. what's happening, choosing the blinders and you're giving care to someone who does not get the choice to put on blinders. Yes. How good of the care are you giving? And if you're not willing to learn the context or the history or even the oppression that's going on and you're like, oh, but it's a hard conversation. Again, why are you here? Well, and really how safe are they going to be with you? They're not going to be you safe. You don't have that context. You don't have that understanding, especially if you have these blinders on. How are How is that client going to be safe with you, right? You're supposed to be keeping them safe. How can you do that if you don't have an under that understanding? You know, no, I, I totally, totally agree with, with what you're saying. And I think it goes- I love it. I love hearing- Love hearing the fire. <laughs> right. And I think it goes into something Alex has literally in her, um, in her doula tagline of intersectionality, right? And so us being aware of those intersections and how they come to play, because yeah, they might be a pregnant person like who's, who identifies as a cis female, but that doesn't mean that there's not other stuff at play that puts them into different dangers or different zones that we have to be aware of. And if we're not willing to have those conversations, how can I protect them? or lead them to a better provider for them or whatever it may be. Yeah. Or even realize when something was racism or something was harm, right? Because that, that is the thing that I find mostly with, with white people, right? Is that they just don't realize that some of that stuff is harm, right? Like the story you told about uh, your friend being strapped down. Some people would never even think twice, like, oh, that's weird. Or, oh, maybe yeah. this is why kind of thing. Because unless you're open to that and realizing that, you know, it's kind of like, okay, maybe that that's the way that doctor did it, right? They're not going to look further into it. They're not going to say, oh, maybe this was harm. You know, maybe this was trauma kind of thing. Maybe this was a violation of someone's rights, you yeah. know? It's such a passion of mine that like, let's keep moving forward and I I just I can't oh it's so hard for me just like knowing how many people because they don't feel like they're there yet that they'll just like shut something out like um me using the term birthing person bothers a lot of people and I'm like well, it's, it's the correct term. This is the term yeah. that we're using. Yeah. And this, this is me not leaving people out and they just can't understand. They, they don't understand. They don't want to understand. Yeah. And honestly, like, again, like when you're in this work and you're, you're pushing for rights in the birthing space, like if you're not pushing for all the rights that you have, like, what, what's happening here? Like, what, what are you doing? 
I don't understand. Well, what they're doing is fighting for the rights of straight white women, right? And not everybody who would be in a birthing space. That's ultimately what it is, right? That's, that's, it's clear who they're fighting for. And it's not anybody who's marginalized, you know? Well, there's no room for selfishness in birth work. Like, that's what, like, can you say that again? One more time, please say that one more time. There's no room for selfishness in birth work. None. If you're here to serve, then you're here to serve. And if you're not going to serve a select group, then you're not here to serve. Wow. I love it. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Clipping that up. Don't worry. (laughs) Um, and what a fantastically like two thing to say as well like going back to your enneagram that is such (laughs) that that goes to that like core right of being a helper and being a supporter and being an advocate Um, and I I think it comes to like what a doula is for right like yes what is our purpose you know and why why do we feel that we need to be hired right? It is to serve. It is to help. It is that to offer that selflessness, that kind of thing. Yeah. So do you, um, as a birth worker then, um, work primarily with the Hispanic community or because kind of like myself, where you can sit on both lines, you work with both communities and bring awareness to both communities of what your hopes and dreams are of what the future looks like. How does that work for you? Honestly, right now, um, I want to work more with the Hispanic community. I don't feel like I work with them as much as I would like to. And I think that there is this drawback because of what I look like and like, does she really understand the culture? And like, I can completely understand that. And I do not fault anybody who thinks that um, about me, but I think that it's also the way that I'm presenting myself. I don't really present myself as like, I'm not, I'm not speaking Spanish as much as maybe I should. Like I, I think about all the time, like, yeah, all this information that I have is is really great. Like I love that I'm posting it, whatever, but I'm not really making it available to a a community that I'm a part of. Mm. And that community is, could could possibly not be bilingual in both English and Spanish. Like maybe they are just solely Spanish speaking and I have that power and I don't feel like I'm utilizing it. And so part of me is like, okay, how, how do I get all of this to come together and how do I make sure that I am speaking to both communities, especially since I do have an influence in the Spanish community because I, 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 I've lived within that community. I love that community. And I, I do have a lot of family in that community. And so it's just finding out the logistics of like, okay, how do I make this happen? And I think that eventually I'm just going to have to make sure that I'm producing it in both English and Spanish. And that way it's making it available and also known to people that I am, I am Hispanic and that I am bilingual and that I am a tool that they can absolutely come to or ask questions to because I don't think there's I I do know some but there are not a lot just like the statistics you're reading it's it's very there are very few birth workers 
that yeah. are are Both. teaching in this community. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I find it very surprising because look, I, I, uh, didn't grow up speaking Spanish. My Spanish sounds like Selena where I'm like, uh, bueno, right. Like, yeah, uh, I would not be able to support somebody in Spanish, uh, especially in a hospital setting. I could order myself a really great drink and like work the back of the kitchen. Right. Like that's, <laughs> that's what I can do. Um, so I'm always on the hunt for, and it sounds weird even using that word, but like, I'm always keeping my eyes and ears open for newer doulas who are bilingual, who are a part of the community in a more tangible sense than I am myself. I mean, uh, and it's partly due to, I married a really cute white boy. So that's partly my <laughs> fault. Um, but also like, I, I really feel that there is a need in those communities and sometimes I can break in and sometimes I can't and how can I break in more so I understand you're like how do I do this better how do I make these systems work more so I think it's incredible that you have the ability to maybe one day like because I I don't think we should put the should on you right like it shouldn't just be on Fabiana's (laughs) shoulders to do this but if you have the ability to produce in bilingual content for these individuals like I'll be here cheering you on and sharing every single one. Like, I think all of us would be and trying to make sure that more messages are spread. That was your pep talk from Emmy. (laughs) Everybody gets one. Yeah, I I do those a lot because I I really believe that like all of us have a ability to make this world a better place and I can see it in you. Like I've been able to see that in you. I want to talk to about how you came up with the concept of your affirmation cards, being also someone who came up with affirmation cards. Mm -hmm. Where did that come from? Where was the moment where you're like, well, now I gotta, now I gotta sell cards. Like now I gotta like do this other thing. Yeah, no, I'm obviously like, after learning about the statistics, um, just like the black women are even like educated black women are five times more likely to die in childhood. Like those statistics just rang in my head every single day, every single night. And I talked to people close to me and I was just like, Hey, I have this on my heart. Like, I, I don't know how to do it but like I I'm thinking I want to do affirmation cards like I don't know like and just like put the right that you have on the front and the law on the back the precedence that like holds it to your actual person like as you're right in America on the back and so like if something was violated like you have it right there and I also put it took me Oh my gosh. It was, took me so long to find the actual patient bill of rights. Every hospital has their own version. Um, but it's not weird when you start to learn stuff like that. It's so weird. I literally was like, come on, just give me the original. And I could not find the original for three months. And I was doing research every single day. And I was just like, okay, I know that it happened during Bill Clinton's presidency like I know that this happened and so like I'm like typing in these like keywords and oh my gosh it was just weeks and then months of just like endless research and I finally found it um on a government website and it is where all the best um, information is exactly right and I just I found it and I was like 
why was this so hard to find? This should have been so easy. Literally type in patient bill of rights, consumer bill of rights, and then like send it. Oh, the internet's like, you want, you want that? Cool. Here it is. This is, this is, this is it. Signed, sealed, delivered. Like, but it was so hard and I finally found it. And they, it talks about like, you know, your consumer bill of rights and like, then your rights as like a patient, um, because you are a consumer right in the hospital room. Um, and so that's, I found it. I put a QR code on my cards to like link it directly. And I, I decided to write the affirmation on the front and that I have rights to what happens to my body. And I, I wanted these to be able to be big enough that in someone's space, people could see if you hung them up or they were laying around what it said and that everyone knew what your rights were and that you knew what your rights were. And whereas these cards don't typically sell very well in the white community, <laughs> they, they do sell well in the Hispanic, Black, Asian community, the minority communities, and doulas. Doulas have been phenomenal. That's, like, it's through a doula that I found you, and it was from her resharing that particular affirmation deck. And it was so funny because it was the same day I announced mine that you announced yours. So, really? Yeah. That's it was so, so cool. It was so funny. No clue. No clue. Um, and I was like, well, hers are way cooler than mine. No. <laughs> yeah, Stop. because yeah. because yours have the ability to still advocate for a person, even if that even if that deal is not in the room, even if that support person is not in that room. You have been able to transform a advocate spirit into something that people can carry with them. And that's why yours are cooler than mine like different things for different yeah, times I, for different but, reasons yeah, I, like as a doula I was like these are fucking cool like damn it yeah. like <laughs> but um, so and so that would be that would this is what's fascinating to me is that how many people don't know what their rights are and how many people have no clue that their rights were violated or that, that they were violated in the name of policy even though it's not hospital policy right like how this is always my question how do we teach people that they aren't being treated well right how do we educate people to understand that not only do they have rights but they are probably being violated in a place where they are supposed to be the consumer I think that it just like comes down to them experiencing it. And if it is first through a doula or just like even through an Instagram post, if like, I love the content that you're sharing and I, Alex, and I love the content that Emmy shares. Like there's so many great doulas out there that are sharing the love and the passion that they have for childbirth. And I think that people feel that, like they feel it initially just like, okay, yeah, this feels safe. And I think that especially with high rates of trauma, like people are looking for safety. People are looking for education. They're looking for 
control. They're looking for all these things. And if we're presenting them in the birth worker community, I think a lot more people will find that, that curiosity to move into, okay, let's see if I can experience this. And so maybe they hire a dual, maybe they don't, but maybe they just take your advice and say, hey, I don't want this cervical check. And then they see the reaction and you know because whenever you know we post it's like hey if this happens and sometimes this can happen and so like they know what to expect and it's like through this education and like you know just like okay I I'm understanding a little bit more and do I always think that like it translates out to being keeping people safe no but I do think that through posting about it and being a birth worker and just giving people little tastes of it they have to want that type of care and because obviously like we can't we can't reach out to people and tell them this is the kind of care you want like there is no like set care for anyone but finding people in the birthing community that they can that they want to hear from I think that that creates a lot of a lot of thought provoking things. And when their curiosity is piqued, they, they will start to move in that direction. And like, once you like say it enough times, they're kind of like, okay, this is truth to me now. And so hopefully we're, we're out here just spreading love and positivity and strength and just encouragement that people do deserve more. And hopefully they want to partake of that. That's the only good part about social media. (laughs) Yeah. That we can connect on this level and the education that's happening and stuff like that. And that's, that's how I became educated in everything. Literally everything was because I spent too much time on the internet, (laughs) right? Like as a, a teenager and probably as an adult, right? Like I learned everything I know about birth work. I knew learned everything I know about fat, fat activism, about racism, about activism in general, like through social media, you know? So you have a good point. I love when people make me feel less pessimistic. <laughs> it's always a nice time, but I'm like, okay, I guess not everything is terrible. <laughs> I agree though like there's so much power in just like sharing the message and people forget like how much how much can happen by just passing a a pamphlet right or like a little Mm -hmm. piece of information like out of Thor Ragnarok with Gorg being like I have pamphlets we're gonna start a revolution and it's just the one guy starting a revolution with a pamphlet but that's that's all it takes it's one post for one person to be like oh shit I didn't know I could ask for something different I didn't yeah. know someone could listen to me and I'm the consumer. Like that changes everything. Like just that little bit of inspiration. And that's all it took for me to have like seek different care the next time through. But I think that's a, a really important point that you made that social media, like just one post or just one moment of them interacting with that information and, and that like planting of a seed being like, oh, wait, oh my, like maybe it can be different. Maybe I can be uh, treated differently and possibly not have to recover from my birth, like mentally, physically, and emotionally. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how you were treated in your birth and things like that. And, I, and it's very interesting to hear that from you from 
Fabiana, because you do have kind of like a bigger following. It's obviously not just all birth workers, you know, like you obviously have amassed some following of like normal people, right. Who are hearing your messages and hearing, you know, how you talk about trauma-informed care and things like that. How do you feel about having a large, larger following would be my question. (laughs) Honestly, it scares me. Um, I, I enjoy leading, but I don't enjoy feeling like I am not the qualified leader. Like I literally just got into birth work a year ago and my platform blew up and I love that they've found something in me, but like, I just find myself questioning a lot of times, like, am I the most qualified for this? And it's taken a lot of affirmation for my husband to be like, (laughs) you are like, because you show up, you are. Yeah. People are showing up. People are listening. People are there. You're absolutely the person. Otherwise they wouldn't be, be there. Right. Exactly. But that's really hard for me. I just like, I have imposter syndrome all the time. I'm like, I, I think every birth worker has imposter syndrome. Just saying. I have not heard yet a birth worker say, I got it. I know what I'm doing. No second thoughts, nothing. Never. I've never heard a birth worker say that. <laughs> well, that makes you feel a little if bit that better. Makes you feel better. <laughs> it's true. Every single one. And I think imposter syndrome comes from a good place. All of us are thinking like, how much impact am I making? How can I make the most impact? Am I even qualified to make that impact? Those are coming from, those are questions coming from a good place, but not confusing that anxiousness with the good work we're doing. Right. And like the the trajectory we're going in. And that's usually how I like talk to people about it. Cause that's how I talk to myself. (laughs) Would it be better for you to stop because you're not qualified or are you making an impact and you are changing things? If the answer is yes, I'm changing things like, well, then stop fucking questioning it and keep going. Right. The moment you start doing harm, the moment you start, um, actually not like being the expert anymore or questioning someone's expertise against yours and being not listening. Um, like we've seen other birth workers do where they get themselves in a situation where it's like, I should be listening in this moment. Then maybe that's the moment to step back and be like, I need to be listening. I need to be like taking in this information. So you're doing a good job. Look at you questioning in the right ways. I, I we're very proud of you. Yeah, you really are. (laughs) If that counts for anything. (laughs) No, honestly, recently I, I took a step away for like, just like testing out, like if I'm gone for like a week, will anyone notice? If I'm gone for like a month, will anyone notice? I noticed. Just saying. You did. I did notice. You were one of the first people to message me and I was just like, oh my gosh, that's so nice. Like, um, I just, (laughs) I, I, I just feel like a lot of times when you're on social media, you're just like, okay, well, I'm just the, the bringer of things and I'm just bringing, and it's, it's just a lot of giving. And like, I have a lot of give in me, but like after a year, I was like, okay, um, I just need to slow down for a second because I catch your breath. Yeah. I just, there came a point where I just could not handle, like my mental health could not handle the hate because like, I am so fuel driven by like people feeling happy and like pleased with my work. And 
I am not even gonna lie to you. I have had several OBGYNs reach out to me and one of them called me a baby killer and that really affected me. Like I was angry. I felt frustrated. Like I, because, because I had written a post that supported like midwives, I, I didn't even say like, go to midwives, they're better. I just was stating like the facts, like, Hey, if you have, like, if you want an unmedicated birth, low intervention, um, then you might look at this model of care and see if it's right for you. And if you don't, then look at this model of care. And because I had brought up home birth being an option that people have, she, she felt like I was a baby killer and that I was promoting baby killing. Well, and, and that's why I asked oh about God. how you feel about the, the following, because I see that as a trend with like lots of people who amass a following, like you'll kind of see them like blow up and then kind of fade away because they are getting hate and like all of that stuff. And I'm sorry that's happening to you because that sucks. And it, especially if anybody knows like the home birth stats, like, and, and you, you're what, like you're at, you're a doula sharing information on the internet. That is factual. It is an option to do a home birth with a midwife. It will more than likely be low intervention, right? Well, honestly, like, <laughs> I'm not scared to admit when I'm wrong. Like I, I'm not like if I have been ignorant to something or like, I don't do it because it's like on purpose. Like I don't purposely find ignorance and like throw it on the internet but like in the in the beginning of my birth work like I feel like I was very only just like more of the unmedicated side of birth and because that's that was my only experience and so like I didn't really have a lot of information about the other types of birth and I I didn't think that I was like you know qualified to talk about it but somebody called me out and said hey like you keep saying that you support all types of birth, but your posts make it seem like you don't, like you only support this type of birth. And I was like, you know what? You are so right. You are very right. I cannot say that and it be true. So that's whenever I like took time and I reflected and I was like, what do I support? And so I was like, no, I actually do want to support people in whatever range and that's whenever I um I did that poll on Instagram that was like have you sustained any type of trauma in your life and I had thousands of responses and over 80 percent said that they had sustained trauma and I was like oh my gosh like and these are people that are giving birth because they're following me like Mm -hmm. and so like these are these are people that have trauma and are going into childbirth possibly carrying that with them possibly and I have like I have my own experiences with like trauma both like physical emotional like I have my own experiences and to like know that oh my gosh I I know how much work I had to do for my own births yeah to be able to have a good experience because birth will bring out all of the worst all of it yeah all of it and so I was like you know what like this is such a high percentage and I don't see 
I don't know any birth workers talking about trauma-informed care and like and not that I'm the most qualified I would never say that I'm the most qualified but I am qualified to say like I have done my own work in my own births to resolve trauma and make sure that it did not enter my birth space um my providers always knew that it was extremely important to me that there was consent involved because I do have control issues like if I am not in control of something that will cause me to start panicking and so like it was everything was always consensual and so because I had made this plan with my husband with my provider with the people in the room like I with whoever I invited into my space like they knew what my best coping mechanisms were. They knew what, what things that might trigger me, my history. Like I made sure that there was a plan in place that that trauma would not be triggered. Yeah. And so that's whenever I was like, you know what, like we need, we need a birth worker to start talking about this because like yeah. with the high rates of trauma going on, just even within the community that I have, we need to start talking about this and we need to make sure that people understand that there, there's a process to this. Yeah. A hundred percent. Because I come from a background of like trauma informed care and like trauma happened to me where I had to heal from it. And I I've been very open and honest about that. And it was a long yucky journey. Like it's so much easier not to do it, but It's a long Mm -hmm. yucky journey. And so when I talk to clients who mostly have birth trauma prior, it's open, honest conversations. And I'm very big of like, I'm not a trained professional. I've taken a couple courses. I got a couple of things, but not enough to be able to cure your uh, trauma. What I can do is I can help mitigate the risk of it happening again. These are the things that we can put into place. Um, but even those systems of what you were talking about, of like those open honest conversations of this is what's happened to me prior. This is how we can help mitigate these risks does so much for your team and does so much for yourself. Um, so that's fantastic. And I really appreciate that you're talking about it because there's times where I do feel alone. I'm sure like yourself, I'm like, why the fuck is no one else? Like one in three, one in three. Um, and that's a long, it's higher actually right now. Oh, cool. After, so after the pandemic, like it, it, I think it, don't call me on this, but like, I think I just saw the statistic that it went up to seven and 10 during the pandemic because of the that's things that, had, that were put in place. And so yeah. it's actually over the last two years increased. And that's, what's really scary to me is like, we are increasing because of like events happening right now. And like, talk about we have to talk about this yeah yes yeah why do you think people are afraid to talk about it do you think it's just talking about trauma in general like even talking about therapy is still a novel idea to most people is it just we don't talk about it enough I, I think it's just taboo I think that people don't like to admit like you know in this perfect social media world where we see everyone's highlight reel their perfect house and their perfect dog and their kids don't ever spit up or, you know, just like that perfect highlight reel of their life. No one wants to admit that like, Hey, like, Hey, I'm, I'm a doula and I've, I've sustained some sexual trauma. And that's something that I've had to work with work through. Like, 
people don't want that. Like they don't want, it's kind of like putting on the blinders. It's like the blinders of, Hey, I don't want to acknowledge that this happens and I don't want to be a part of it because then that puts me in a category that I don't really feel comfortable with. And they would have to start thinking about their own trauma and maybe some of the things that they haven't addressed yet. Yeah, I I find that a lot. I don't want to be in the category of broken. I don't want to be in the category of mess. I don't want to be in the category of like chaos, right? Or that this wasn't a magical, wonderful experience because then it's an invalid experience, right? Um, And the reality is like, it could be both. You could have had a great birth that also was shitty at different points. And like, I wish I didn't have to think about this one moment that happened, but the rest of it was awesome. There's lots of complexities in all of this stuff and in being human, you know. Uh, And I'm 100% the doula. And I know that the three of us are sitting here of like, there's a Marie Kondo gift that goes around of, I love mess. Like that's, <laughs> those are my favorite people who show up to me where they're like, okay, so this is what happened last time. And they just like, Bleh. here you go. That's what it is. And I'm like, perfect. Thank you for letting me see it before we get into the, the freaking room where you start to push and then you're having flashbacks and I'm not informed of that. And I can't walk you through that then. Yes, absolutely. I cannot like Yes, absolutely. That is exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> For real. That is that is exactly it. Because like whenever we whenever we destigmatize, like talking about like especially with birth being an event that has such a high rate of trauma, like we need to be talking about trauma and like potential triggers for trauma. And we need to be talking about all of these things. And it's just, it's not, usually it's not because of this, like there's a box and when you step outside the box, you're crazy and you are, you know, boring. Well, you say, you know, birthing person instead of mom. Yeah. Crazy, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Like, that's just the craziest thing that I would, you know, use inclusive language. I don't know. <laughs> well, and honestly, like, you know, or, trauma or the reality stuff, right? Because, and that's, what's so interesting is if you are a birth worker, you are seeing trauma happen every time, not every time, uh, most of the time, right? You are seeing trauma. You're seeing trauma happen in front of you. You're seeing past traumas come out in births in pregnancy and all of this stuff you are experiencing that whether you want to admit it or not. And that's why I find it so interesting. So many doulas who don't want to talk about it or don't want to address it because it does bring back to what you're saying. Like, why are you doing this? (laughs) Like, what is the point of doing this? If you're not going to serve people and help people and try to at least help them with this stuff, you know, and that doesn't mean like fix all their problems. Right. But it's still like, even to have that conversation, like, hey, I see you. Like, I see that this is happening. You were going to say something about stepping out of the box. Yeah, I was just, honestly, it was just like, I think that the people that are inside the box tend to be a little, I don't want to say safer, but like less likely to sustain trauma. And so like, whenever, whenever you are stepping out of the box, you, you really are accessing people that really need your help. And it's not that the people inside the box don't 
get your help. It's that they have to be able to come to terms with like, I need help. And that is what is very, it's, it's really hard. It's hard for people, but like, whenever we can reach outside of ourselves and say, we need help, like that's, that's powerful. And we want people to step out of the box and be like, Hey, like basically just strip down naked and be like, Hey, this is what's here. And I, I need, I need more, like, I need more education. I need more support. I need one of those things. And so I think that if we are stepping outside of the box and we are outside of the box, we're likely helping the people that absolutely need the most help. And then the people inside of the box can, and they do, they, they will step out and they will be like, Hey, actually, and they're, they're more, more likely to step out. I've, I've seen, and it's, I think it's, it's harder to get people in the box than it is to get people out of the box. So Uh, yeah, so let's just get people out of the box. Right. For sure. I found that a lot of times people are already outside of it and they didn't realize they ever stepped outside of it. So I've heard so many people tell their birth stories and they'll get emotional or you'll see the, the reverting back, or there's a lot of ton of, there's a lot of those signs, right. Of PTSD, true, like PTSD moments happening with them. And I'll sit with them and be like, Hey, let's talk about that for a moment. Like, here's some things I'm seeing. Like, have you ever heard of birth trauma or PTSD and how you might be experiencing it? And it could be their first moment of being like, what do you mean? I thought everyone, I thought everyone felt this way. Right. And that was a big component in my own family. There's not a person without a traumatic birth story. And I thought that's, that's what you do. You go, Mm -hmm. uh, you blame your kids for how shitty your birth was. And that's what happens. Right. Um, So, um, I was one who believed that the box was trauma. And so I think so often there are people who are sitting there being like, no, I had a great birth. A baby came out and it was healthy and I got to go home. Right. Um, and I think it's more just like making sure people understand that that box is much smaller than they realize. And they've, they've never actually stood inside of it. That is such a great point. I love that so much because you're so right. So, like how um, many people don't even realize what they experienced with trauma like your yeah. friend going back to the beginning of the episode like your friend yeah. was yeah. like oh what do you mean like um as as a doula who specializes in trauma what would you tell other doulas of where to receive that information or like who have you reached out to where you received like extra education or like insight or any of those things, because I'm sure someone will listen to this and be like, fuck yeah, let me do it. Like, yeah. how do I, how do I start? Now what? <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, I'm so glad you asked that question too. Um, a resource that I absolutely love is, and I tag her all the time. It's she's at learn about trauma on Instagram and she is a therapist and she deals with trauma specifically. And she, um, she talks a lot about, um, she has a lot of answers and she shares it freely. Um, one of her most recent things was talking about bilateral stimulation in your brain and how that can help us process trauma. And it's essentially using both sides of your brain. Like whenever you're alternating the sides of your brain, um, 
you and you can do that through walking you can do that through um riding your bike swimming there's bilateral music that you can listen to to help process trauma um and it it just like whenever you put your earphones in it'll um there's like two different things happening in the different um earphones and it helps your brain kind of just like process trauma and she she talked about how how important it is and also I learned that like and maybe this will blow your mind but she it blew mine um she shared that um is it EDMR therapy yeah Uh, the light therapy it has this like three 90 minute sessions has an over 83% success rate. What? (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Like it's so cool. Actually help people that have PTSD and like trauma symptoms. Like there's actually tools out there for you to get help, the help that you actually need for your, for your brain to be able to process it and to digest it and to put it in the past. Cause like whenever your body's acting, like it's in the present, like, Oh my gosh, I'm in danger. Oh my gosh, I'm in danger. And then you have flashbacks and your nervous system. That's where talk therapy is not going to help. So it's cool to have other options. And I don't think people know a lot about like the different types of things you can do to get treated for your trauma and stuff like that. And trauma therapy is still very new, like yep. extremely new. And it, it's crazy because like, it's hope, like we're seeing a lot of things about mental health and hopefully we're pioneering into a time in this world where it is, it is not seen as taboo. It's, it's, it's common. And we, we look at this as actual health needs and there are so many like great resources, like, um, that same therapist, um, she has, um, a perinatal group. Um, it's at Dancy perinatal and she actually just started support groups, virtual support groups all over the country for, um, those that are, um, in different stages of postpartum and like birth, like, and she serves, like she has a, she is training, she has a trained team by her who has been studying like trauma therapy, specifically birth trauma. She's a, she used to be a doula. She, um, she serves California right now and she has a trained team to deal with birth trauma, but she is trying to also, also, um, expand to nationwide. She also deals with, um, provider, provider and nurse trauma care, because our providers, their mental, like they, they watch trauma all the time and they're not not getting the care that they, they need. And so she is promoting that we absolutely need our providers just as much as us to receive trauma care. Yeah. And that can, that can help our outcomes so much. Like if we're not just like, ha- if we don't have these traumatized birth workers, providers, people in that industry. Yeah. I, how much trauma- traumatized? Well, and I, 
I talk about it in my training of how to reduce trauma in ourselves because traumatized people can cause traumatized people, right? And making sure you have those systems in place so that way we're not perpetuating this further. Mm-hmm. And that kind of stuff can be so crucial. So just like you were talking about bilateral leg stimulation, one of my favorite ones that I found out was a recent study about Tetris and how people playing that for 20 minutes after a tyrannic event can reduce the actual damage going on in your brain. And awesome. really what you're doing with Tetris is you're allowing someone to do a, um, a focus meditation because we all know how to play Tetris and it allows the brain to like unwind naturally on itself while the soul is like checked into one thing. And it's amazing how many tools are out there and how many that we're discovering and like how big this can be and how accessible it can be. Cause that's a game that's been around since the eighties. Like, like everyone could download that to their phone and after a birth, just sit in your car for 20 minutes and play that and how much better (laughs) you'll feel once you get home to be able to interact with your family. Cause more than likely you got a family at home and now you got to make dinner or like get the kids to bed. And now you're not having the moments of like, and then she said this and then, Mm -hmm. and then they did that, right? Like you're not having to bring that to your home front. Um, so that's an amazing resource. That's really awesome. Yeah. I'll make sure I tag them. Yeah, no, she fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. And I know that she, I know she has something coming out with, um, like she has a course with bundle birth nurses. And so, um, I know that she's, she's starting to put things out, but you know, she has also explained, like, I'm just going at the speed that I can, like, you know, one person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's all of us. That's all of us. We're just one person trying. We're all yeah. trying. We all need to find some like amazing like virtual assistants like, to do like yeah <laughs> all the extra stuff. Did you just say you needed four? Because I need like, like same. four. <laughs> like personal life and yeah. then birth worker life. Like maybe yeah. three for birth worker life. Oh, but they yeah. all need to be understanding and informed about birth work and all of the things well I think you kind of answered all my questions do you have any more Emmy that that was my major one is like how to make that next step and then my last question for you what do you have coming up like what should we be excited for you about um do you have any big plans or are you trying to make sure that you have a sustainable journey from here on out Honestly, I have crazy dreams. Um, And whenever you speak your dreams, then you kind of speak it into like the reality of like, okay, well, this is on her mind. Um, But honestly, I hope to make my content more accessible. Um, It's... It, to both the Hispanic and the the English community so like the Spanish-speaking community and the English-speaking community but also like I I want to move into a space where I can teach doulas a little bit more about being trauma-informed and I think that that's super important because like Emmy said like hurt people hurt people and healed people, heal people. And whenever we have so many, I mean, 
and back in one of your earlier podcasts, you talked about like how many doulas will just like, there's like the picture perfect. Everyone's sitting there like, I'm a doula now. I'm my doula yeah. training. And then like, you just see like them disappear so fast and you're like down to like maybe one or two in the class. And I think that a lot of people just like are like entering and realizing like, oh man, there's trauma. And I think that we need to do a better job of making sure we're kind of screening that and they're not getting into this work just for, to make someone else have, let someone else have the experience that they couldn't have. And so I think that more prepared to handle that trauma. Yeah. And so hopefully Hopefully I can move into that space at some point. Yeah. Well, I'll sign up it. for that class first. You, you put it out there. I'll sign up for it first. We'll be there. <laughs> we'll be there. And then well, you have your affirmation cards. You want to tell everybody where to get them? Yes. Um, I have a website. It's bringthebabe.com. And it is right there on the front page. You can click through, but it just talks about how these cards are to give a little piece of my support to you. If you don't have the financial means to pay for a doula, um, because I know that my minority class, um, my minority class, my lower class, um, birthing people don't always have access or the funds to pay for a doula. And so like, hopefully some $20 cards can, make some type of a difference in their birthing space. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We loved having you on. And I'm so glad that you were our local celebrity and we got to feel (laughs) the same for you. And like, I'm so excited for people to hear this episode. And I know that you're going to be making big waves. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All right, uh, this is Ring of Fire. I'm Alex Barr. And I'm Emmy the Birth Wizard. And this is our wonderful guest. Abliana Burley, birth Yay. worker.